Hi, this is Ken Scott, and you're listening to Fab Four Free For All. Welcome to another edition of the Fab Four Free For All. And we are an all-Beatles talk show. And uh, every week, we present a new topic. They know this. I know. Some people don't. Some people don't. Some people never know. Some but, people are just finding out about us. And, are they? And yeah. some people don't know exactly who we are. So I will let them know. I am today's moderator, Tony Chiguardo, and joining me, as they oh. always do, oh. my friend. He was my friend until a few minutes ago. No, my, my, my friend Mitch Axelrod. Man's best friend. <laughs> Howdy, folks. And Rob Leonard. Hello. And, that was very uh, animated. It was indeed. I try to be animated. And... This week's topic is actually one that really closes off the series that we have done. We have already reviewed the first two segments of this project, and we are now tackling the third one. I'm talking about the Beatles anthologies, the anthology CD. Because we haven't talked right. about the DVDs. This is true. That's going to take a lot of time. This is very true. So I'm talking about the anthology CDs. We have already reviewed one and two, analyzed and reviewed, as we call these types of shows. And in this episode, we're going to look at disc one of anthology three. And we're doing, for those of you who are curious about this, we are recording both episodes on the same day where we'll discuss discs one and two. But we're going to break it up into two parts for time reasons and in the interest of keeping you all from wanting to pull all of your hair out. Right and for those who want to listen to it back to back, wait a week. And when the second part comes out, you can put them back to back. There you go. And then blow your brains out. <laughs> so if you want to listen back, back That's stop, okay. We'll wait. Stop right now and wait till next wait week. Till next week. And then skip this intro. Anyway, <laughs> this is a different type of compilation than the first two. I agree. For me, principally, I feel the reason why it differs so greatly from the first two is that source material is much less diverse here. You do get studio outtakes, but why I say that is because a number of tracks are pulled from one source, that being what we call the Kinfawns demos. These are the demos that were recorded at George Harrison's home called Kinfawns. In 1968. Why don't you explain what the difference between Kinfawns and Escher? Well, Mitchell, that is an excellent, though tricky, query. Truth be told, there is no difference between the Kinfawns and the Escher demos. They are really one and the same. But most We've, people know either many one or people, the other, and yes, they think they're yeah. different, and they're really not. And they've probably chased around bootleg land right, all of the different- Right, and they already have it. <laughs> right, but they are one and the same. When you hear things referred to as the Kinfawns demos or the Escher demos, of course, these differ from the India recordings. So we'll get that out of the way right now. There was stuff that was done in India, and it's different. So when you see collections of Beatle demos, if you see Kinfawns, Eschers, they are one and the same. The other catch, too, is that much of the material on the second disc is taken from the infamous Winter of Their Discontent, that being the recordings made during the, quote, get back sessions that would become eventually the album Let It Be. Interestingly, however, 
there is nothing on the compilation that hails from the period when they were at Twickenham Studios, beginning from January 1st to uh, January 2nd. Right. Thank you, Rob. Rob held up his hand with a peace sign. I thought he was just showing the love. (laughs) Um, From January 2nd to, I believe, and and this is just throwing this out, I think they stopped somewhere around the 16th or 17th. Yeah, George George had walked out. George walked out. They had a meeting, and there was a couple of days where they were just there. Dinkering. So maybe they even aborted uh, Twickenham by the 13th or so. But those were the recordings that contributed directly to the, the segments you see in the Let It Be film. Uh, and to the breakup, and then, and then later they ended up at Apple Studios in Savile Row, uh, where they went in to see what would look like Magic Alex's wonderful creation of the new studio, which turned out to really be shite. And they kind of said, "Okay, we'll have to make something usable out of this." And lo and behold, they created a studio that they finished the Let It Be project in. Right. So. We'll get to the point where we get to the Kin Fawns demos themselves, and then I think I'd like to go through those as a block. I would agree. We'll now, because there are a total of 54 tracks on this CD. Right. The, the double disc package. The double disc. And right. the one we're covering still has 27. Right. And it's a lot. Okay. And we don't want to really bore you with no. every detail, because some of them don't differ that much, or at right. least right. you know, are not worthy of more than a minute. So I'm, I'm going to hit what on... Disc one would be essentially tracks one and three. These are the things that go before or between the Kinfawns tracks. And it opens with a quick 50-second piece called A Beginning. It's a George Martin composition. Interesting that we start with this. It is an anomaly on the album. It's an anomaly not for the entire compilation set of, of six discs. That would be Anthology 1, 2, and 3. We do have a few George Martin segments. The Strings Only for uh, Eleanor Rigby, etc., etc., this was supposed to be an intro for Don't Pass Me By. But if you actually listen to it and then play it next to Don't Pass Me By, it doesn't fit. It makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. This is, I think, from another song, and they so just I, they didn't figure it out. Right. So this, to me, a mistake, an anomaly. Next. Wait, but I want to just say one thing. Very ironic title. Yes, it's, it's number one, so it's a beginning of this album. But it's also the beginning of the end of the Beatles. Oh, absolutely. And truth be told, was it even called a beginning in 1969 or No, they could have just recorded? called it that now but because it's the first song. Think right. about it. it. The original plan was the, the three Beatles were going to record one more John song and That's include right. that as the opening track on this, as they did on the first two albums. And they never got around to it. The song was now and then, reportedly. George didn't like it. Paul still wants to finish it up. Um, one thing about this song, it's that it's credited to George Martin, yeah. which means George Martin never has to work again in his life because of how many, how much this sold. He got publishing on this. Well, he did, but so, the truth is- Just well, based on that. He also has publishing on one half of the Yellow Submarine's original oh, sure, LP, sure, sure. And which he made far more money than over the years than- Oh, yeah, but I'm know, just saying, you know, oh, the fact yeah. that it's credited to George Martin where if it's supposedly the- during the good night session or, or don't pass me by, whatever, would have been c- just considered part of that song. So they actually said, well, George, we'll give you this. Little, That's a good point. little thank you. And which, you know, That's true. They might have also done it because of the whole <clears throat> happening on the second part of this right, right. with the uh, leaving him off of Let It Be. Right. But you're right. Let's move on quickly. Helter Skelter is track three on the album. It's an edit of take two. You, you missed Happiness as a woman. It's a Kinfawns demo. Oh, sorry. That's okay. 
This version of Helter Skelter, any takes on it? You know what? It's good. I know they said they wanted to show that they were really, you know, like the Who, like really bad. And to me, it's it's boring. I it's too slow. I it is a little too it's slow. A little plotting. But I, but I thought as when the first came out, when no one had ever heard this version, I was very impressed. You could tell they were still learning the song. It sounds yes. Like. But I really was impressed with the song. And people have said, oh, "Well, which version is this?" It, this says, uh, you know, 12 minutes, and they cut it down to five. And that's the George Martin thing. George Martin never likes really long songs to begin with. And I have to be honest, if this was what the 27-minute version is like, and again, yeah. if this was 12 minutes, I thank God that someone cut it down. In some ways, it's exciting as 12-bar original, which is not for me. <laughs> There's some interesting, marginally interesting <laughs> guitar interplay. What I do like about it very much is that vocally it sounds much, much more like the McCartney album, the first McCartney solo album, That's, than it does anything he did with the Beatles. That is a good Vocally, point. he's putting on that voice that wouldn't show up until his solo career in this take. This is sort so, of the beginning of that. You're right. I liked it. I, I thought, it, you're right. If this was 12 minutes, you know, we'd be pulling our hairs out. Cut down, it, I thought it was very good. I was very impressed with it. I was very happy with it. But, you know, when I first saw Helter Skelter, I, I'm sure you guys thought about, oh, the 27-minute version, yay. Yikes. And it, it didn't happen, which is probably a good thing. I have a feeling that if that ever did come out- We'd be disappointed. We probably would be disappointed. It's completely. It's like Carnival of Light. And think about it, how many long songs are that good, besides Whippin' Post by Allman Brothers. And the God of the Vito. And the God of the Vito. I'm kidding. That's miserable. Okay. Anyway. It's historic. It's miserable. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry, Iron Butterfly. I love you, but no. Alice's Restaurant. Alice's Restaurant. That works. Okay. But that's not 20 minutes. 18 minutes and 20 seconds, Whoa. just like the Watergate tapes. Um, <laughs> Coincidence? I think not. Uh-huh. I think not. Uh, they found a copy of Alice's Restaurant in Nixon's library. I know. Anyway, it was open. <laughs> On the, the end of May 1968, they are in George's house recording a number of demos. And these demos would stretch the border between the White Album and tracks that would end up on Abbey Road and beyond. Right. I question some of the things that are missing here and are left off. There's a lot um, of things that, that should have been on here. That absolutely. So, and I'll give you some of the ones that are. From the album, we have, and I'll go through them, Happiness is a Warm Gun. Any take thoughts? Yes, I do. This to me, and then we'll go a little further, mm-hmm. but this to me shows where John's head is at right from the get-go. Yep. John was into smack, whatever you want to say it is, and Yoko. Heroin. You know. Clarify. I'm, I'm okay. sorry. No, it's heroin. Okay. I just don't even know if Right, but a... then heroin and Yoko, because he sings about it. <clears throat> Happiness is yeah. one gun, then Yoko, oh no, no. I mean, this is where his head was at. It was at drugs and Yoko. That's it. And I bring this up for a reason, because as we go on, it clearly shows where Paul's head was at as well. It does. I think the catch, too, is that you start to see John Lennon offering up song fragments. At the point when they know they're going to start going in and and producing demos, John is really providing nothing much greater than song fragments. Fragments. Happiness is a warm gun, anything? I agree with Mitch about where exactly John is, but at the same time, John would come up with songs that aren't on these demos. Absolutely. And I think John worked that way, because I think I don't know how long in advance he knew they were going to George's house to record these demos, which is the only time they ever did something like right. this. So you're thinking he wrote more under the gun as he, they were approaching the If you look at John's history, that's right. the way he wrote. Okay. No, when no he needed intended. songs, 
he would come up with a song just like that. He always said he hated that Paul would just call up and say, and, and Paul would have 10 songs ready to go. But if you look at the stuff that he wrote, it, it was always better under pressure. Day in the Life is, is a great example right. of that. Mm-hmm. That's so, a good point. But it's interesting how this demo changed to an extent where he lost the Yoko bit, and it changed a lot, actually, as a song. And he holds But at the on, same time, it keeps the basic structure of it. And interestingly, he holds on to the way he phrases and says, oh, no, for the song How on Imagine. Right, yeah. The oh no. Oh, yeah, that's right. oh no. So anyway. So that's the first of the kinfoins that appear here. Mean Mr. Mustard shows up next. To me, one of the things that is cool is as a longtime bootleg collector, it was delightful to hear the kinfoins recordings in mind blowing quality. After all these years, it was cool to hear the His Sister Shirley line, which mm. was the original thing in Mean Mr. Mustard before right. it became Polythene Pam. Would have been cool if the song stayed in this direction that it was going on here. He changes it, obviously. He does a change up on an Abbey Road. But it's, again, uh, uneventful in a way as a demo. Again, more bits and pieces. Yeah. And he was able to follow the Abbey Road thing of, oh, we'll just make a medley. Yes. Which it fits yeah. perfectly then. Yeah, but I think he probably said, well, I can't finish these, so what else do I have? Well, and Paul thankfully came yeah. up with the medley with right. you know, but also the huge when, melody. When he met Yoko, his idea of how art and being an artist changed too. A lot of things had to come out instant because, as an artist, it comes out like that. Instead of being a a songwriter, a person who okay, I wrote this part of the song like Paul. You know, I wrote this right. part two months ago, and oh, I'm going to go back to it. Now he did do that, right. but he tended to talk about stuff that he liked as stuff that was instant. You know, Instant Karma was, is a great example. Right. And these songs are also not about him and how he was feeling, too. These are more story songs. Mean Mr. Mustard and Polythene Pam. And oh, which, which he did a lot of. He did, but he, yeah, as an artist, he was always Mr. knocking that, that type of thing, and even if it meant his own work. That, and that's why maybe he always downplayed the side, too, of, uh, of Abbey Road, well, even though he contributed a lot to it. And you have to wonder well, that. I was he just going to say that. Good point. Yeah. He also downplayed Sgt. Pepper, too, I guess, in, yeah. in a way, yeah. and those were also the story songs. Polythene Pam, again, a song fragment. Not much more than that. Yeah, he hadn't finished the song. That's it. Hadn't but you want to know yet. something? When you, when you talk about the other anthologies, it was exciting, the first few songs on each one. Now you're- You've not, not hit me over the head with anything Nothing yet. yet. And you really don't for a while on this one, but keep going. It already reminds me of Anthology 1 with all that poorly recorded stuff, but has historical... But that, but that's different because a lot of that we didn't hear. That's true. This stuff we didn't hear, but it wasn't as important as the first yeah. anthology. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't. You know, I mean, I'd rather have, in spite of all the danger... Well, that, yeah. That, even in crappy quality, then three well, minutes... Well, these of, had been bootlegged... Correct. Counseling. That's the other thing. Yeah. But as you said, Tony, the quality of these were just fantastic. Yes, but like but I've always said, you can put a tuxedo on a goat, it's still, still a goat. goat. And yeah. you know, if you clean nah. these up, it's still not the greatest piece of song fragment in the world. Right. You're not hitting me over right. the head with anything I didn't like a different beginning to eight days a week like they did on the first That's one. True. So, go ahead. Um, I really truly enjoy the next of the Kinfawns, which is Glass Onion. Much more complete, I think. John is actually thinking a little bit more solidly when he gets to this. Yep. Could this have possibly stayed an acoustic track? Don't know. I also like the fact that if you listen to the vocal and lyrical scenario, John's going back and forth, and, and in the multi-track, he's responding to his own his gibberish. Own, yeah. right. 
which is very, very funny. Even if this is not finished, and at least what it's giving you is there's serious entertainment value. Well, there's a lot of that on this on these two discs. There is, but uh, there is not this as is much the first as time that the humor really. Yes, because you know, you know we're we're so used to hearing that John wasn't really into the Beatles in this period of time. That he was right. starting to lose faith. He just to lose, met Yoko. Right. So you so now all of a sudden you hear a little laughing and and then that's good. You say, right now you're. Getting but, me involved a little more because now it, it's not as boring. But right. would have you chosen this song knowing that you're going to pick another version of Glass Onion? Well, that's the down other the thing. road, you know, on the same disc. No, like and, and, we, we've right. said it before, we have to be consistent. Yeah, something else could have been here. That's what I would have done, especially because, because you have so many other Kinforms right. demos to ones choose ones that from. we never heard. Right, meaning, uh, you know, why don't we see Child of Nature from Kinforms? Correct. I mean, again, uh, talk about the ultimate thing that's missing from here. Why don't we see Child of Nature slash to become Jealous God? Yeah, I mean, that's a great- Why don't we see something with history? Sour Milk Sea. Sour Milk I love that song. Why don't we see George Harrison's demo of the song that would be given to Jackie Lomax? A, a version of Glass Onion that you're later going to hear yet another version of Glass Onion, which also may be disposable, in my opinion. Junk, the home demo, uh, the Kinforns demo, n- nice to hear. But again, it's basically finished, not too different structurally than Paul's solo version. Lyrics aren't finished. The scatting part at the end, the, the la-di-da part, is intact. Again, it's cute to hear Paul laughing at himself in the overdubs. But is it necessary? Yes, and I'll tell you why. Okay. Because I'm asking that as devil's advocate. No, so. I, it's necessary because this is the first song that appeared on a solo record that was attempted by the Beatles. Bingo. So that to me, why it was, I agree, it was and that's why Child of Nature should have been on too. and Circles and Sour Milk City. Yes. Correct. Yep. Now any of the three kind ones that ended up as solo. Trend. But I yep. started by saying that Happiness is a Warm Gun showed you exactly where John was. Well, these the first two Paul songs on this whole thing. I mean, other than Helter Skelter, the Kinforns, you know, you got Junk and Honey Pie. That shows where his head was at. You know, John was into these heavy songs and maybe meaningful to him. And Paul is, you know, honey pie. You know, it's a little, it's weird. But the nice thing about honey pie is that John is on it. Yes, I know. On the Kinforns demo. Yes. Which is kind of sweet because John's clowning. Yes, he's having fun with it, but that's not where I was going. The thing is, Paul's songs are so lightweight in in comparison to John's happiness is a warm gun and Paladin Pam. Well, we've got to remember not to be, but we've got to remember if you think about this in perspective, and I don't. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think any we've ever really thrown this idea out. You've got two men who are in love with two very different women. Very different. Mm-hmm. You've got John who is in love with this very dark. Was Paul artist. with Linda at this point? Man, he was falling. He had fallen in love with Linda. Linda is across the sea. Yeah. You know whether or not he That's is right, directing this right to Linda or not. He's falling for this American chick, pretty hard. Who is a photographer? Who's bright? Who's got a kid? Who's who's alive? And who's John is in a relationship with a woman who is somewhat of a. But he had just met her, literally. He had just well, met actually, her. I but... take that back. No, he had met her, but the relationship started when he got back from India. I right. should say that. Right. He'd actually met her before. Yeah. So you know he's already kind of in this. Yeah, you know, they're in different places. In terms of what they're relating to, Paul strumming around the house singing "Honey Pie." I know, I know. But and John's worried about <clears throat> happiness being a warm gun. 
in between all of that, the two Pauls, is Piggies, the demo. I love it. I love this one. This is the one that wakes me up uh, on the collection. Fully baked, I think, except for the ending, obviously, which kind of falls apart and, and doesn't have the big, right. you know, that we get on the White Album. Double-tracked vocals, which is cool already. Yeah. George is taking meticulous care with the demo. Um, but no dip, slightly different lyric. No harpsichord. harpsichord but the, the harpsichord. You know, instead of, it, you have to wonder, did it, someone else suggest eat their bacon instead of cut their pork chops? Maybe George Martin's influence had the harpsichord. Well, Chris Thomas Great played point. Chris Thomas played the harpsichord. On right. That. Right, but maybe yeah. George Martin said maybe yeah. we need something. John, John always claimed that he can't help with the lyrics for uh, Piggy. Not to be funny. No. Maybe he, changed, Maybe he changed it from cut their pork chops to right. eat their bacon right. because it's much easier to sing. Da, 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 but just as da, funny. Da, and just as funny. And it also shows that you're actually eating yourself instead of just cutting right, yourself. Right, cutting yourself. Ringo appears here. The original song by Richard Starkey that was begun in 1960 frickin' four. You hear him make reference to it in the BBC recording. He says, don't pass me by, don't make me cry, don't make me blue, because darling, you know, I got the ice cream for you, which is a great, you know. And here it is in demo form. And the only time you hear what he does now, in concert, he sings the other line, don't make me blue. He doesn't ever do that on the record, he does it on the demo. That's right, that's a really great But point. this really isn't a demo the way the other ones were. Oh, it still is. It's an early take. Yeah, right, so. right, right. I, I'm again, so sorry, we're away from Ken we're in June 1968, Abbey Road Studios. What I get a kick out of with this take is that the drum work is different. Is different. Listen to it at the beginning. It's right. footsteps. It's footsteppy at the beginning, which I think is kind of cool. I mean, I thought it was my imagination first, but I played it twice and I thought, kind of cool. And then waiting for your footsteps. Waiting for your footsteps, yeah, on my old front door. We are again, as I said, we are away from Kinfawns. So we're done with the demos. We are now in the studio. But think about the, the Kinfawns thing. When you're choosing the, the tracks, now we've all heard these in other forms. You could have an old, your own album based on the Kinfawns. Without a doubt. Demos. You're looking, you're looking at a substantial number of tracks. And, and the There's thing 20, was- There are 29 Kinfawns demos. You would think maybe that could have been a separate release. Mm, that would have been kind of boring. Nope. It's very funny because, Rob, you, it's like you were looking over my shoulder. One of the notes mm. I have is that the thing that I don't love is that had you wanted to be really creative for the hardcore Beatle fan, mm. no, but here's my thought. You did now differentiate from the casual fan who some of this kinfawn stuff may end up being very boring, as is, let's face it, some of the Get Back era stuff is just not of the highest caliber. We'll get to that in a little while. Yeah. Could you have taken, really, the three anthologies, one, two, and three, instead of making them as three two-disc sets, I'm going to sound like George Martin, <laughs> could you have taken those, made it into four killer albums, and put out two separate discs of the complete Ken Fawns and the best of the Get Back era? That would oh, be a, the, we, uh, we sort of discussed that. We, we the, have talked about that. Right. Yeah. That's something else. Too. You know, they were very adamant that it's going to be two for each, and we're going to release three of them. But it's I agree because the, there was a guy. I remember reading in Billboard when this album came out, some guy from Capitol Records, and they were saying 
they would have loved to release the demos as a separate album. People at Capitol were loving it. Now, the thing about if you look at the credits, the demos are actually owned and copyrighted by George Harrison. It says in very small print, but he owns the tape, I guess. And I guess he owns the performance since it was performance done in his house. Parents, right. So, you know, I guess you would have to go to George and say, please, we'd like to put this out. George's um, estate, right? Yeah, you know, George's estate well, at now. That time at the time, he was still around. Yeah. So that's also interesting that the tape, you know, was recorded at George's house around a four-track Ampex, that he owns it. It was physically his tape. And the tape that we had heard all these years was, came from the Lost Lennon tapes, and it was a couple of generations down. So right. it's just kind of interesting how that- Sure, it was probably you know, John's, from John's take home. Yeah, well, he probably took one home and, sure. and listened to it. But it would have been nice, I think, to have the Killfawns maybe released you know, as a separate- Sure, totally separate After, piece. yes. You know, call it Anthology 4 or whatever, bootleg one of them was called Off-White. Or, you know what? anthologies one and two be in chronological order, exactly what we would expect, put it all together. Anthology three, parentheses, for collectors only. And then mm-hmm. you make that the Kin Fawns and Twickenham. And, and then that goes back, and it's not on anthology three, but on one and two, there was all those live tracks that sort yes. of threw yeah. a little bit in the feeling Feel. of, the, of the record. And maybe you do the live disc, Kill Fawns, and let it be. Well, Bingo. think about it, though. There's not much live stuff to put on this one. There, no, no. Well, Rob's talking about the live one and two. we would have seen on one and two. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, and I okay. still would love to see a live compilation oh, of Beatles stuff. Yeah. But I think part of, the, part of the issue, too, is that this, and we're, we're already broaching this, and we'll get to it probably in the next episode when we do the summary, but the album is, it's lacking cohesion and it's lacking an, a thoroughly enjoyable listenability that you definitely, I think, get with volume two. Volume yeah. two, you get a wonderful listenability to a but degree. Don't forget, though. And it's disc two of volume one, you get a lot of listenability also. The you one thing about here, here, the songs are darker. So no matter what, <clears throat> we're not going to like it because... That's probably true, too. Only because they're very dark right. to begin with, so you're not getting the listenability because they're not up-tempo bright songs like and your bird can sing and right. and got to get to the my life. That's not the nature of these songs. And it's the only it, one that we get to is later, which we'll talk about in a minute, which is Oba Di Ba Da. It's a strange. It wakes a, you up. It's a very strange experience for me because as a, a lifelong hardcore bootleg collector, there's a familiarity I have with this material, and there's a deep love I have for this material. But I can separate myself from it right. to look at it as this is a wide, full release. Does this material really hold? The answer is no. Um, if the Killfawns were a separate release. Kinfawns. Killfawns. Kinfawns. Yeah. If that was yeah. a separate release and not on here, you would start the record with Obladi Oblada right. probably. And to me, that would be wonderful because then you just, you're listening to it with a continuity in mind. You're right. hearing the, and, and this is those sessions for that day. That's one know. of the problems with the anthologies is that they went chronological yeah. when maybe, yeah. like we were just talking well, also, about. Also, don't forget though. On one and two, how many true song fragments were there? Not many. Not many. And if there Not were, many. they augmented them with outfakes. Right. Well, the yes it is would be one. Right, but I'm saying not many. No, no. So not. guess what? They didn't do that here. Well, you know, the truth is, too, we don't know what went on behind the scenes. No, you're right. There may have been very, very strict orders that these demos were to remain Untouched. Absolutely, but the fact remains so, is that oh, this I, is the first collection 
when we're hearing strictly a minute 19 of just, right, with you know, of just right. mean Mr. Mean Mr. Mean Mr. After yeah. a while, it's like, all right, I, I know. Right. right. Well, m- you mentioned it, and uh, here it is. Obladi Oblada, the July version, 1968. Finally, 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 this version that we loved so much as mm-hmm. whether or not it was on the original sessions or intended or intended as the single only B-side right. or A-side, whatever was going to happen during sessions. We have had it, or had had it, from that bootleg Not compilation. Not in this quality. Not in this quality. I always loved this version. My feeling is I would have loved this version as much as the finished one. I think um, so, too. We're just jaded by the finished one. Yeah, but, and, but, and I never, you know, I always loved the finished one. And plus one, but, the story about how it's such a happy-sounding song, and it was such a miserable Miserable thing, one to record. Miserable, miserable event one to record, yeah. To record, yeah. so. And this actually makes it very happy. Right. Yeah. I like this version. You know but what? But this is not reggae yet. No. no. And if anything, maybe Calypso-y a little bit. It's not it's even. Not, it's this a, is just yeah, power pop. Power pop. Yeah. We move now to Good Night, a version that is a crossfade between two, a mm. rehearsal and a take. It's a sweet vocal by Ringo, but a very sweet vocal by Ringo. Maybe that's why it's here. My feeling, though... As a piece of music on the work, it's unnecessary. You've got to give Ringo's... You, Ringo got doesn't to, have anything. But the crossfade is annoying as hell. If the take broke down, let the damn thing break I, down. Yeah, you're right. I, I agree with that. On some of the... I agree that you shouldn't do that. But on this song, should just let it be the way it was. Yeah. But, but the no. problem yeah. is that, again, on this CD, Ringo doesn't have much. Well, True. I mean, if you didn't have this, all he has is Octopus's Garden. Right, because it's only a covering a couple of years, really. Yeah. And he's only, he's you know, only he's on only it. allowed as you one, have to, two So problem. they were going to put this on no matter what. Yeah. And don't forget, they have pictures in the booklet of him recording it with John's help. So John oversaw this whole Absolutely. session. But again, if you're going to give me this and you're going to give me that sweet vocal by Ringo, just let it break down. Yeah. I agree. Just let it break down. Especially no- since it's such a... Sweet sounding song. It is a sweet sounding song. Just let it break down. We understand. But you have to put it on because Ringo needs to be represented. Um, The Cry Baby Cry Out take that follows or run through, I enjoy quite a bit. This is one of my favorites, I think, on the whole. Take one, very much fully formed. Yeah. Fantastic bass playing on this by Paul. It almost has a country-ish feel in a way, I dare to say. It's already- folk soul. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah, folk soul. I borrowed perfect. that though. I like that. From where? Uh, an album review. Oh, okay. Um, in Rolling Stone. So I'm not. But I, I like that very kindly. And it's already got the great build in place. It's yeah. already got the the quiet start to the dynamics yep. to the power stuff and intake one. So I like it. I do too. Good I, on you, John. Play acoustic guitar. So I've always liked that song for, for whatever reason. It, yeah. I, I always like the way it sounds and. To me, and John went back to the lyrics in uh, cleanup yes. time in uh, yeah. from Double Fantasy. Yeah, King is in the kitchen. yeah. So yeah. it's it's nice that he remembered it too. absolutely. Though he didn't remember it when he talked about it with Playboy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good point. Uh, well, we are going to at this point not let you cry anymore over this. Oh. We're going to now. We're going to take a quick break. As long as we don't say good night. No, no, we won't yet. Not yet. We're only just halfway through here. We're talking about Anthology 3, Disc 1 here on Fab 4 Free For All. We'll be back in just a moment. Hi, everyone. Just wanted to let you know that besides Fab 4 Free For All, each of the three of us are involved in our own individual projects. 
Mitch Axelrod's two books, Beetle Tunes, the only book about the cartoon Beatles show, and Little Billy and Baseball Bob, can be found through all of your good booksellers online, including Amazon.com, or if you'd like autographed copies, contact Mitch on Facebook. And my buddy Rob Leonard has a great Beatles show that he's been doing for 20 years called Beatles Songs, and it's on every Friday night from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And you can listen to it online. It's streaming at www.ncc.edu slash WHPC. And also look for it on TuneIn.com. And Tony Truquardo is the host of 4F, free format for free, on WCWP 88.1 on Long Island. He's on every Monday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And also at www.wcwp.org. Also available on TuneIn.com. And we are back on Fab Four Free For All talking about Anthology 3, Disc 1. And the next track that comes up is a uh, take of Blackbird, take 4, recorded June 11th, Abbey Road. Interesting, it's okay. Again, I hate to be so direct, fairly unnecessary. Correct. There was no real difference except for no a difference. verse being re- Couple of reversed. Right. But it sounded exactly the same. I would have preferred something else. Also. Indeed. But again, Blackbird iconic. iconic. Thank you. Jinx, you owe me a beer. <laughs> so uh, you really do need to have it on there yeah. in some form, and that may be the only one they had. Next comes a track that I actually would have preferred that they had taken the Kin Fawns demo. It's Sexy Sadie. It's Take Six. At this point, it's almost sounding like a Sinatra ballad. We <laughs> haven't really kind of gotten the groove on it yet. It's a sloppy but trademark vocal by John. The only thing I can say is that as far as the jamming aspect to it, just trying to get into a groove as a track, it's a nicer jam than the but Beatles are plotting. Again, plods. But it, it works. I actually sort of like this Well, this a lot. song plods It's a plotting in general. Song, yeah. It's a plotting song. It does, but right. it doesn't, it's a little faster. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm not so sure. I'm thinking we like the song because a good song is a good song is a good song. Right. But right. that doesn't mean the demo of the good song has to well, be Well, this isn't good. a demo. It's one of the, <clears> one of the sorry, takes, an early take. A take. Run through, yeah. But it's <clears> interesting. He, the song's originally about Maorishi. It was supposed to be called Maharishi. And think about it. Three years later, he does How Do You Sleep, and he's very direct at Paul. Imagine if he had done the same thing and made it a little less. I think George suggested that he do Sexy Sadie, yes, not yeah, Maharishi. Yeah. Well, George, George was on How Do You Sleep, too. So. Uh, oh, ironic. Good point. That's so, I mean, you, you think about three years later, John doesn't hide who he's, he's talking about. He goes directly for it. And actually, the song well, he didn't which call I call the song "How Do You Sleep, Paul." I mean, you know, <laughs> no, he said yes. Yeah, he's called him. Glass he Klein? he <laughs> called him a c-word. Yeah, right. Well, only in the run through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the but, thing about it, you know, three years later, he he just he does actually, it directly. The only time he ever really addresses Paul directly by name as being a pain in his ass is on "I Found Out." Unless you on, think it's you know, I always thought Saint, Saint Paul. Saint Paul. That's I don't I think thought. so. I've seen religion from Jesus to Paul. I mean, that's We're that's. We're not here uh, to talk about know. that. Go. I know. Still. Anyway, I found out. but it's it's interesting that they fade it out, but they don't do it on Good Night. They just fade it out. Right. Yeah, I'm Next comes George's demo for "While My Guitar Gently Weeps." Gorgeous. I love it. I, 
I was just about to say that. It's like gorgeous, 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 it, beautiful. And I'm I so it. glad it was done this way because that gave George Martin the opportunity to to put together the love, stunning. Which to me is my favorite recent Beatles song in yes. a long time. Well, yeah. there's a couple of things, but I remember Ken Scott told us about this song. He said he was listed as the engineer, but he doesn't remember doing it. Yes. And then they found out later that there wasn't an engineer there, but they just used his initials so no right. one would get in trouble. Right, so no one would get in so trouble. So that, that, yeah. I think of that now when I see the demo. One thing that bothers me about this. Uh-oh. They did not use the original version. They, the, the cold they, ending. The cold ending. You're for absolutely those who don't correct. know, True. They, this, absolutely. this had a cold ending and they looped it. Another Sessions thing, and this is Jeff Emmerich thing because he worked on Sessions. That they retained. That they retained. There's right, a lot of things from Sessions that they retained, yeah. which makes no sense at all. What we're making reference to is, an, and we've talked about this in the past as well, there was an album in 1985 that was supposed to have happened called Sessions that would have compiled a number of previously unreleased Beatle recordings. One of them was this version of While My Guitar Gently Weeps with the repetitive looped fade right. at the end. The true recording of the demo, which has since surfaced on numerous bootlegs, yeah. the song ends cold. Yeah. He like so, does a little quick strum at the end and then he yeah, says, right. I think we let's yeah. hear it back. You know, the thing about it, when they did love, they kept that loop also. You know, they didn't Well, write. it worked better right. for the orchestration. But that's, it, why. That, that's true, but right. that's Very that's much. different though. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. that's the only reason they kept that. Yeah. But this is my favorite song on the album. Without a doubt. Without Without I a mean, doubt. Barn, I mean, I don't care. My favorite song, almost on all three anthologies, but... Well, George shines on this whole disc. Well, because he came to his own on this right. one. I mean, it, it's just... It's, cool. it's really nice. I, it's, yeah. it, I, I like the love effects also. You know, it, it became a better song yes. even, which... Oh, yeah. It, it's hard to believe. It, it just works so well. And, but if, imagine, imagine if they weren't in chronological order. This might have been the opening track because it's such True. a grabbing song and everyone such knows it. But everyone knows the song, but at the same time, <sighs> they hadn't heard this version. No, and it just grabs. And it, it's, it'd be grabs. a great opener. It's, it's majestic. Yeah. It's beautiful. Majestic. I'm wondering that's, where that's Here Comes the Sun outtakes are, though. Mm. Well, you know, they found that guitar solo. Shush, 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 shush. Mm. Talk about it in the next episode. Uh, hey Jude follows. Uh, again, it's a cute opening. The guys are clowning around. Fine. Ringo's boring on this take. Ringo, who sh who shines in Hey Jude, Ringo's boring on this take. He's yeah, not boring. he's not with it yet. It's take two. He's Ringo learning has it. not he's learning. Yes, but that's why I'm saying, why include it then? Why why why? I know it's Hey Jude. Why take two? There've got to be a ton of other run throughs of Hey Jude. Well, there's that whole rehearsal footage, the whole rehearsal thing, right? Uh, so maybe because it would bring the sound quality down on a disc where the sound quality is pretty high. I don't know. Mm. I don't know. The, the sound quality is pretty consistent, though. Yeah, so it's out of good, all three, the, right? It is the most consistent. I, I but, just, I just think that obviously you have to have Hey Jude represented. I would have maybe Do gone. You? I'm not saying. No, it's I agree. Right. I agree. I, you, what I would have went it, for, I would have taken the promo film with, Bingo. Paul, with Paul's vocal, yeah, which is, is sings on top of what he has, right? And then you have the mixed in crowd. That's what I would have done. Yeah, that's what I would have done because well. I always liked that. That version has always been my favorite. And the video, too. I just always liked the but sense then, of then we would community. have been saying, oh, why do you need this? It's just a vocal from a video. Well, it's uh, uh, We would have. You know that. Well, I don't Either know. way, they're damned if they do, damned if they don't on this. In a way, right. If they hadn't found one that was better quality than what we've right. always had on the video. Yeah, you're right. So you're right. You got to put point, it on. Point Axelrod. Nine, nine weeks at number one, you got to put that on there. 
Yeah, you do. <sighs> I agree. All right. And their first one, first single on Apple. The, That's true. The next thing makes me laugh my ass off. Well, just because of- You've been cursing a lot the I last few episodes. I'm sorry. Beep, Your ass beep. is off now? What? No, no, no. But this just makes me laugh because just when you see the words, take, take 102. 102. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking, of course, about the later that same week recording of George Harrison's Not Guilty. Uh, I love it. I love it. I, I always have. It's wonderful. I think it's an amazing track. Why it didn't end up on the Beatles, I don't know. Uh, is it a comment about the drug bust that it has? Doesn't matter. It, doesn't matter it's, what it's about. Happiness is a warm gun. It goes it's on there, fun. but not not guilty. Right. It's fun. I, I, uh, I one of my favorites from George. I love the version that's on the George Harrison album. I do too. Um, very much. But that's yeah. a different, almost loungy kind of jazzy. Yeah, very jazzy. Jazzy, but this this is not. This is heavier. No, it's this heavier. Is much that heavier. they still Got declared it. take ninety nine the best. Yeah, that's all again, the take seventy two. No, again, oh. Mr. Emmerich's fingers and, and razor blades have been used on this. That's true. Um, they, they cut out part of the song for no apparent reason. That's true too. Um, but again, don't forget, we've mentioned this before, though, too, Rob. Whatever was done at this point was done with full approval. Oh, sure. They they of all George. but they might not remember. How these songs sounded. They uh, might not, but look, at the very least- Because when the least, Beatles would come in, they would come in and they'd sit down and they'd say, okay, we're going to play you some tapes. And this is what we have yeah, so far. Yeah. What do you think? You know, the Beatles right. would come into EMI or Abbey Road. So I don't know, unless George forgot how the song went, which maybe could be true. Maybe could be true. But, but either way, the point being that at, at least that period, whether it's looping the end of All My Guitar, whether it's cutting Not Guilty, you know, we know how directly hands-on involved the three at the yes. time surviving yes. Beatles had been on this project. So while it can anger me as a completist, as a hardcore collector, at least it doesn't offend my sensibility as revisionist from an outsider's standpoint. They've done their own changes. Or well, allowed also, one be. thing about the anthology, which if you think about what the Stones have done with some of their re-releases lately, some of the tracks they went back to, the Beatles could have went back and fix some of these true overdubbed stuff and they never did yeah true they, they, never did, they, which is they cool. just left it the way it was yeah. which is there were some edits and different things like that too which changed it but they didn't go back and redo vocals right. or guitar parts like right. the stones did with some of their reissues lately we jump back to a paul piece white album mother nature's son take 2 uh, to me nice in a way but again very unnecessary nothing revelatory here nothing, at all nothing it almost sounds like the release, the release version. Tape. You know what this shows me? That Paul gets basically the same recording for everything he does. Right. Well, he gets right. it right the first time, yeah. so to speak. Yes. Yeah. So that, that's, that's but what in I... But in, in historical purposes, it's boring. I would love to hear like a heavy rock version of Mother Nature's Son, and, and then he went, no, that didn't work. Let's do a slow right. one. Yeah, like right. the way Eight Days a Week starts out one version and ends up another way, or And I Love Her starts out one Yeah, you're right about that. Which, in a way, does show that Paul has matured to the point as a songwriter and craftsman. Mm. His material is much more fully baked when he's at this fully point. Fully baked. Do you, do it. <laughs> Thank you. We haven't done fully that in a while. Um, much more fully baked. Not to say that we don't have things like him sitting at the piano doing no, those I know. piano demos, but when he's ready to go in, he goes in, he goes in he does not it. half-cocked. Glass Onion mm. follows another version of Glass Take Onion. Take 33. Take 33. 
My question is, yes, it's cool to hear the ending that John originally spliced on with the football game and the this and that. The ending's cool. Could it have stood alone as a coda? You know where you put it? You put it at the very end of disc two after the other surprise piece at the end of disc two. You know, mm. you want to put this in? Oh, and by the way, we tacked on John's original weird football game ending of Glass Onion. You don't need the whole damn song one more time to get the 22nd ending. What I would have liked is, since they didn't have a newly recorded song, put out a third EP, so to speak, and this version of Glass Onion would have been nice on that. Yeah. Because it doesn't go. belong right. in Not here. here. You already gave us one. You already here. gave us one, and we talked about that with the anthology, too, with uh, Yesterday and and your mother should know, and unless you put them back to back for comparison, say, right? You know, then right, yeah, you know, then it's different. But put it on like twenty minutes later, it's like, well, didn't we hear this already? I'm getting this feeling of uvajade. That's the feeling that you heard something backwards before. Yeah, sure. yeah. Okay. So that, so that, it's nice to hear it. It's nice to find out who actually it is from the liner notes. But um, right. you can see why George Martin came back from his holiday and said. You know what? Let's fix this. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just rein this stuff in, yeah, man. Please, yeah. yeah, Chris Thomas was the producer. Right. Right. It follows with Rocky Raccoon, take eight. Now, for me, this, this is, is fun. This is fun because this is sort of like the Andrew Bird can sing on the other sort of, anthology. Yeah. It's a great opening for Rocky. Paul's talk sing rambling, opening. Yeah. Totally different ramble. Very cute. Would have gotten the song off to another start. A little lethargic in terms of the tempo, but when... Paul hits the, the doctor came in and schminking. Schminking. Yeah. Schminking of gin. Yeah. One of the funniest bits on, especially on this, but one of the funniest on the six discs. And he loses his place. He falls apart. This is really on the disc for comic relief. This is not Oh, yeah. You're not to sitting be there say, wow, this is a great song. Fine no, piece of art. Is... Just put on here to be fun. And that's. Well, I, I like the purpose. fact that the first of all, the Beatles kept. Going with it. Yes. And second of all, yeah. the engineer, you know, Ken Scott's the engineer, didn't say, well, why we record this? And, and he didn't just hit let the stop it go. He right. just let it go. Let and it run. It was to show that they were having fun in the studios. And maybe, because we've heard so many stories about the White Album, you know, the Beatles were at each other's throats. So they Which weren't Ken working. debunked. Yeah, he said right. that they were right. much friendlier right. than we've read about. Now it all grinds to oh. a screeching halt for everyone Six except Tony. I'm not getting back. Except for Tony. <laughs> What this song is that we're talking about. You, you've loved this song since we played it on my show back yes, in 1985. Since the day it first surfaced. Uh, on Well, it, it surfaced many, many, many Before years ago. Before Sessions, actually. As a horrific, horrific <laughs> quality yes. uh, bootleg recording. Yes. Even before Sessions, it turned yes. up as a, a 12-inch single uh, bootleg. Right. What we are talking about is a song that has been, it's officially titled, What's the New Mary Jane? Maybe a question of what is the new Mary Jane? Meaning, what's the new replacement for marijuana? Who knows? It was also called What a Shame Mary Jane Had a Pain at the Party or What's Your New Mary Jane. Recorded this version, claims 14th of August, 1968, is the 6-minute 12 version. There are many, have been many mixes of this, including one that was somewhere around 352. For me, I'm in the absolute minority. It's one of my favorite, cutest, silliest, goofiest things. Lennon completely free-forming, absolute connecting images and rhymes you're, and goofness. Yes, you're right. It's all of that. But when you think about the fact that John wanted to put this out as a single, you want to vomit. I'm sorry. It would have screeched 
the Beatles to a halt. It would have, but faster than so. Magic wanted, Mystery to a movie. He wanted it. it been, he wanted to be a Plastic Ono band. He wanted to be a Plastic Ono band. So it he never intended this to be a Beatles single. But then they said, "Hold he, it, it's a Beatles track." Even though right. George is the only one on it, really. Right. Yeah, he wanted this as Plastic Ono band. He wanted this to be their first use of that word. And even if it had come out as a Beatles single, it would have obviously been a goof. No one was going to expect this to get. AM Airplay. This was it's so obvious. But he wanted it on the White Album. He did. And again, and but, but Revolution Number no. Nine ended up on the White yes, Album. Yes, you're right. But he can had you imagine if one. both of them were on? Oh my God! Well, right. You're right. If the, but, both of them were on, it would have changed the way that album feels. And I think the greatness of that album would have been taken away if this song was on there. I, agree. I totally agree. If it had replaced Revolution Number no. Nine, it would have been. I, actually, I prefer Revolution Number no. Nine to this. But I know where you're coming from with this, because for those who don't know, Tony's been on my radio show many times, and the first time we played this song, you were talking about Apple and Contract and the line about spaghetti, and you yeah. were giggling like, like, ah! Oh, yeah. I mean, she- <laughs> You she, loved it. There's a line, she making with Apple and Contract. Right. I mean, there's some really goofy stuff on here. You know, she liked to be married with Yeti, she yeah. grooving such cookie spaghetti. I mean, it's just very silly. It is. I think this is, if you think about it, this is the first thing John and Yoko made that was actually listenable compared sure, to sure. two virgins. Or... But to me, this is equally as silly as if he had taken Deaf Ted Denuda and me from yeah. Spaniard. I can't remember if that was Spaniard or in his own right. I think it was in his own right. And set that to music. Honestly. This would have no been perfect sillier. if they put it as part of the Christmas records. Wow, that, yeah, without a doubt. Because then cool. it would have been accepted. He's having a little rum or yeah, eggnog, and he's really singing fun. these lyrical like weird that. words. Yeah. That would be that, perfect. That, that's Either way, my feeling is too long. You shouldn't have gone with a six-minute, 12 yeah, version. You should have three. gone with the, with the three-and-a-half, four-ten, whatever that was. We go next to Step Inside Love slash Los Paranoias. I like this. Hey, you know why? I think it's okay. Well, I it's just... all right, but it's the first time we've heard it, meaning True. other than a bootleg, it's the theme song for Silla Black's TV right. show. Right. First time you're hearing it. And then they do a little jam after. Right, finally recorded by Scylla Black. Right. Obviously. But then um, you, you get the Los Paranoias jam. I mean, it's all right. right. It's cute. It's the only time we've really officially heard this done by Paul. I guess. I mean, I put this down my thoughts as this is truly a bootleg. I mean, it can't be taken right. seriously. No, it's a Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That can't be, but what's the new Mary Jane can be? No, no, where I'm going with it is it can't be taken seriously as having been any kind of a real take. No one in the studio was, was keeping a thought that this was something, you know, real. I like Lost Paranoias, actually. Yeah, it's actually it's, not it's, bad, but it's just a jam. It's, you know. I like that Paul did step inside love. You know, that, but again, yeah, yeah. think about it. We get junk, honey pie, mother nature's son, uh, and then... Step inside love. It's it's so lightweight. Gee, Paul, you wimped it. Huh? Yeah, I'm sorry. No, um, you're right. I'm but but that's where I'm going. I'm sorry. I think he for this half of the disc he wimped out. Well, At least that's what they represented him with. Right. Well, he approved it. He approved it. Right, right. So he, he came. That's true. He did approve. Maybe he was doing a yin and yang. Maybe oh, it was intentional. Maybe he was seriously. Yeah. Maybe it was intentional. He was doing the yang to the yin. George and John were getting so heavy. Maybe it was completely intentional. You know, I can't speak to that. Uh, well, we always do speculate. <laughs> uh, That's um, what our show's about. Yeah, right. Oh, I forgot. Next comes I'm So Tired. It's a compilation of takes three, six, and nine. I like it very much. Really nice alternate vocal. Yeah, I. Uh, that's the part I really enjoy yeah. about it. I think John was lucid. 
Yes. He really nailed this. Right. If this was released, I wouldn't be upset. Precisely. The only thing that I don't love is that you can hear the splices. Uh, yeah, okay. You that's do know where stuff. the, yeah, but you really do know where the, the changes are. Yeah, but you can say that about She Loves You too. True. Yeah, I Especially guess now. I actually think um, a lot of, I know a lot of people on different chat rooms and stuff were really upset that stuff was taken like this, you know, taken from different takes and making a new take. Mm -hmm. I happen to think that's great. And I was very happy that they did this and I wish they did more of it. Yeah, as long as you show that it's true. Yeah. And it's not compromising what would have been a breakdown with an adding ending or, this is like- and The Beatles said that too. Right, know? but this was like, you really just- created a new alternate take of I'm yeah, So Tired. I'm, I'm, I'm mind from I, different, I, I, getting I, to hear parts of songs. Yeah. Big deal. Yeah, I, I, I always, cool. I wish works. if they, there's more like this, I would be very happy. See, I, I don't like the other stuff though. I don't like when you take a breakdown and repair the breakdown. I don't like that. What, this, do, you, this, what do you mean a Like what we were talking about earlier about letting the song, good night, let it run its course. Oh, yes, yes, it is. Is. Well, that's yes, it is. Yes, it is. Those two, yeah, I agree with you. Not acceptable. I don't like that. That's something for a radio show, not for a record. Right. And there is a difference. Uh, the next next comes a version of I Will Take mm. One. Why? Uh, it's sloppy percussion why? on it. Why? Um, it's sloppy <laughs> percussion. Uh, why? Uh, thoughts? Anyone? There's no real Anyone? difference. And that's, there really right. isn't. That's right. one of the problems with a lot of Paul's stuff, on which this, is a right. good thing in I'm a good sense. Good bad. Because, good for him, bad Because he for knows us. where the song's already going. But there's no sense that no historical value in this. Yeah, and and I think that's it's bad know. for us as collectors. We come to the next one where there is a slight variation from the released version. Yes, there is. <laughs> Here's the acoustic take on why don't we do it in the road, recorded on John's birthday, 1968. Kind of surreal, in my opinion. Just it's again goofy. Do you need it? Maybe it's closer to what the song was about, a little I folk song about why don't we do it the way the animals do it, but I, I appreciate this, but it's 2.15. Right. I would have liked them to alter this and make it shorter. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't mean it. No, I'm, yeah. I'm being serious. No, I know what you're talking After a while, it's all it is, is, and it's not even as exciting with the, the, you know the right. drum claps and, and the drumming. and the, you know It's I not even that exciting. It's when they cut the 12-bar original. Right. You know, and they made it 254 or yeah. whatever. After, I mean, you know, to hear him, I know he does, what are we doing? You know, and then he screams and then he goes, right. it's nice to hear the little variation on vocal, but after a while, I'm ready to say enough. Enough already. I got well, it. The brilliance of Why Don't We Do the Road, that was a minute 40. A minute right. 40 and right. also had the perfect drumming. Yes. yes. And this is not finished. And then, the acoustic yeah. version, but it's boring. After a while, it just keeps going. I, I, it didn't and bother me as much, much, but yeah, I agree with that part, but I, I just thought it was a little too long. It's yes, like there's a song uh, by Guns N' Roses, I, something, I double, I, so I had to kill her. I forget the name of the song. But that's all the line is, and it goes on for like four minutes. It just keeps going. Yeah. He's like singing, Enough. trying to find lyrics, yeah. and he doesn't get it. At yeah. least the Beatles knew when to cut it short. Right. The disc one of Anthology 3 closes with John's take two of Julia. Recorded on 13, October 68. It's lovely to me to hear John being you know so tender on the song but he's really never as tender as the vocal is on the finished released one I think they put so this one again, on for a reason though why is that to I counter the darkness of the other Lennon no, material well maybe maybe but also don't forget what happens at the end of this he says oh that was good you know can we just take parts of it and do it this way and that take at the very end right it may show that in his lucid state 
he was really into this song, and I think the poignancy of the song itself, Julia, about his mother and Yoko, and then having him actually comment after it's over led to a really nice ending to side one, so to speak. That's a very good point. Yeah, it, it sort of brings home the fact that he he is involved. Yes. He is there. When and, it's and something that's very important to you know, him. He's saying, oh, come on, can't we just use that? Because yeah, this is not a fragment. No, no, this is not a fragment at no. all. This is a full song. Yeah. yeah. And I like that they did this. It's a nice, quiet closer. Right. Very poignant closer. Because, right. again, that's where he was at. He lost his mother, and now he has Yoko. It's songs about both of them. And it shows him being into it. It also, in a way, think about it, it is the capper for the last thing we hear before disc two begins that winter of their discontent. It's the final point of really John being so involved directly with a Beatle recording. Again, if you're following the chronology. Yeah. So I also think when you look at disc one, it's a lot of solo stuff. And I know that was yeah. part of the, That's the, the white album, yeah. but yeah. it's a lot. Uh, when you have 27 songs, it's a lot of it is just, one or two people on it. That's one of the things that holds back disc one. It's not the Beatles playing together. Even if they were sidemen on, it's just a lot of stuff. Well, maybe that's, that's why stuff. we're so down on, on this, not down, but it's a downer because we know what was going on while recording. Yeah. It really wasn't all four of them being happy and creative. Yeah. It was one being happy and creative and then maybe two. Right. And that's why when we hear John, on a pulse song, we go, yay, because you know what? Right. We need right. that. We right. need to know that they're the cohesive Beatles, right. and they weren't. Right. Also, the, a song that should have been on here, the only one I can think of off the top of my head was um, Revolution, the promo film. With the, mm. the yes, that's great. Because if you're going to have Hey Jude, you might as well have Revolution on there. Yeah, well, you know, you know what else would be missing, too? What else would be missing from here would be what has surfaced many years later as Revolution Take 20, which is the, you know, revolution, take your knickers off, right. or whatever it mama is. Mama Dada. With the Mama Dada and all of the bizarre right. that things been... that you hear the screams that would be in revolution number nine. Right. My God, why was that not on this compilation? That would have been great. I agree Talk about, that. and that would have had people's heads spinning. Because when I first heard that, and it was years later, like you did, I understood where revolution nine came from. Yes. Totally. It came from the end of that. Right. and. Right. You know, when John was talking about that, I'm like, what is he talking about? Right. And then you finally hear that and the weirdness of that ending where it just keeps going on in different places. Right. And you can see where John was coming from. It's like hearing the version of something where at the end you hear the jam of remember. Right, right. You know, you, you know where it comes from at right. that point. Think right. of another song that's not on here and I'll tell you why. Which one? Back in the USSR. Because Ringo's uh, not on it. Yeah, that's right. They may, yeah, not, but, have, they may not have wanted to... Do a song. You're right. Without any, what? But then again, you had a phenomenal Kinfawns day. I understand. Which would have given you a great out to keep that song there. I know, but maybe he wasn't on the takes. They didn't want to do use any more Kinfawns. Maybe they thought they used enough. So now they want to do real takes. But back in the USSR, the most popular song on the album, arguably, is not on here because Ringo wasn't on it. So maybe they didn't want to show... Even though the, all these are solo, but they all were yeah. still as right. the Beatles, and Ringo was gone. Sure. Maybe they didn't want to do that, but you know, it's not well, here. One of the things when well, you go Dear to, Prudence. Yeah, well, I was just going to say Dear Prudence because on Rock Band, you get a clean open and a clean close. Right. And it really has a different feel when it's not bumped together with Back in the USSR because it's, it just sounds 
prettier, I guess, with yes. the way it ends and, yes. and begins. Without a and, doubt. And it would have been nice to have a clean open of that. You know, Rock Band comes out and many, many years gave, later. It, gave us that, but, you know, going back to 1996. Well, um, it really didn't come out and give us that because we, I mean, other than underground issues CDs of Rock Band. Oh, yes. You well, you're, you're, you're right. You're, we haven't seen a full release of it. Oh, yes. You're not a legal okay. release. You're right. You're right. But those, technically at the same time, I consider a legal release. Well, that actually takes us to the end of disc one of Anthology 3, which also coincides with us wrapping up this episode. We've been looking at uh, an album which has a lot of the Beatles working individually and uh, on their material. In the next episode and the next disc, we go to the Beatles working together as a unit on most of the songs. And yet the disunity is (laughs) equally, if not more clear on some of these takes than they are on the ones when they're working as solo artists. So, there's the tease for you. There's the tease. You're a tease. So, I know. Tease. Sorry, we are going to uh, give you disc two of Anthology three sometime very soon. Are we Actually, to, next week. We're supposed and to be rating this one? No, we're not. We're going to do that at the end. We're be rating. We're be rating this one. <laughs> All right, we'll do that at the end of disc two. So for now. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All, and I've been your moderator, Tony Chiguardo, and joining me, as always, has been my friend... Mitch Axelrod. And my other friend over there... That's me, Rob Leonard. And we'll see you all soon. Fab Four Free For All was edited and produced by Tony Chiguardo at Word of Mouth Studios in Westbury, New York. The opening and closing theme is My Dolly by the band The Badge, featuring longtime listener Jeff Slate, available on its debut album, Digital Retro, and recent Best Of compilation, as well as from the Fab Four Free For All website. Thanks for listening to Fab Four Free For All. Well, you've begun that concept. Why don't you go, Mitch? No, I I asked you. (laughs) Robert? No, I'll let you guys figure (laughs) it out. What the f*** is the difference between getting fawns and Escher? It's the same thing. I wanted you to say that. Okay. Because most people know the Escher demos. They don't know the Kin Fawns. Okay. It's the same thing. Yeah. I know oh, it. So you said, why don't you explain the difference? You I'm said, like, you said, why don't you explain well, you the difference? Say there is uh, no difference. They're the same thing. You might have heard it as Kin Fawns or Escher. Tony, that sounds like a trick question. No, but it was good, though. Good <laughs> setup. Good setup. <laughs> what, what was that? What? <clears throat> what are you talking about? Well, you sound like a cross between. English guy, Hitler, and Larry King. <laughs> Larry King. What the f*** was Let's that? Stop Did I cough before? No, you went, we're only halfway through, yeah. And it's like, what the I f- mean to be doing that in any way, shape, or form. That's yeah. what I thought. <clears throat> Let me get a drink. Okay. <clears throat> penis. Oh, come on. Keep your penis in. <clears throat> Thank you. I'd like to be. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. All right, ready? <clears throat> I just got wet. Sorry. I mean, I liked it. <clears throat> My throat's going now, so come on. <clears throat> <clears throat>